Welcome to the Dealing with Goliath podcast. The mission of Dealing with Goliath is to sharpen the psychological edge of negotiation, ethical influencing, and high-impact conversations for business leaders who want to be more effective under pressure, uncover hidden value, and build greater connection, all while increasing profitability. With expert guests across the business spectrum, we deliver gems of wisdom, delving into their methods, their thinking and approach to business life and to problem solving. This is the short form espresso shot of insight, podcast interview to boost business performance using our five questions in 15 minutes or so format. My guest today is Cheryl Plouffe. Cheryl is the founder and CEO of Scalable Business Accelerator and the host of Cash In On Camera podcast. She's produced thousands of videos and broadcast over 20,000 hours of live television as a national TV presenter. Cheryl owns a training company that advises six-figure entrepreneurs who want to implement scalable systems. She lives and works in Ontario, Canada. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Alistair, so great to be here with you. Well, as I said, it's it's a very interesting setup that you have. That tell us who is your ideal client and what's the biggest challenge that they face. The ideal client for what we do in our philosophy on business growth are high five figure, six figure coaches, consultants, experts, people who are authority entrepreneurs that are packaging and selling their experience, wisdom, and expertise into products and services for sale. And the biggest challenge that they are faced with is truly, you know, finding consistent, high quality leads for what it is specifically that they do. I think there's also another piece to this, which dovetails perfectly into the revenue isn't there, right? They want Mm -hmm. to scale, they want to grow and have aspirations and also feel like they deserve to be in those higher levels of revenue, but they might not have the systems in place for them to see that path for growth. Outstanding. Outstanding. So and it's a fascinating feel, as you say, you, you can feel that they're already good at what they do. Obviously, they're highly competent. They have the skills. Uh, but as you said, and you mentioned it several times, the systems aren't quite in place. So what are some of the common mistakes uh, that your prospects and your clients make when they're trying to solve that problem? So they're trying to break through that perceived ceiling. So what do they usually end up doing first? Because some of our listeners might spot some of these behaviors in their own actions. <laughs> I think one of the common mistakes, and it's not really necessarily the fault of the entrepreneur who is in the startup and growth phase because they are bombarded with ads on Facebook that tell them that they need this shiny object and this SaaS product and that quiz funnel. And and a lot of those tactics can work and do work at the right time. And that's the biggest mistake that I'm seeing is that people are latching on to these ideas and concepts without having a lot of foundational, um, certainly cash flow foundation in place before they start investing in all of these different tactics and shiny objects. So what happens is, with the, for the example of, of a, a tactic around, say, launching and creating your own summit would be a good example. Okay. 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 Now that is a good, that's a great thing to do at a certain stage of your business, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for someone who's just starting out because it takes, you have to have a lot of skill and knowledge and time, frankly, it's a lot of technical things that are going on there. So that would be an example of it. And what we see sometimes are whether it's summits or other tactics, 
that are not foundational is they end up spending eight months, nine months with their head down, trying to figure out all the technical aspects of whatever it is that they're building and why that's a problem and a mistake is because it takes them away from income generating activities. It takes them away from actually doing the things that will bring cash flow and revenue in. So I think that's one of the big mistakes is the shiny object syndrome. I think another mistake, Alistair, that I see are people that try to build the complex funnel, the perfect funnel uh, right yes. out of the gate. And, and that's a mistake because you don't have a high converting offer yet. That's what you need to be working toward in order to then you know start looking at maybe funnels and ads and, and things of that nature to, to scale it that way. So um, I deal strictly with organic. I don't necessarily deal with advertising, mm -hmm. but I have talked to enough people who have run ads to know that it's often uh, a mistake <laughs> in the early stages, doesn't necessarily um, lead to any fruitful uh, result. So those are some of the things that I'm seeing in terms of mistakes. And I think another thing is not having in the early going a high ticket offer. Mm. You know, I think that that's the best approach is heck, have something high ticket. That way they, you don't need to have gargantuan numbers of people purchasing your thing in order to make that cash flow a reality. And so just, having just to clarify on that one, sorry to interrupt, Cheryl, mm -hmm. just a moment, because that's really interesting. So because I think people have different levels in their head on this one. So when you say high ticket, what are you envisioning? What sort of spectrum? Okay, well, there are different definitions, certainly depending on who you talk to high ticket. So in in most in most opinions would be high ticket would be something over ten thousand okay. dollars. But I do think that there is something to be said for maybe the the, the quasi high high ticket. When you're first starting out, try and aim for something maybe between three thousand and ten thousand as a nice doable offer when you're first starting out, that's enough to be able to get you cash flow. And then you can start looking at ways to augment that and make it a true high ticket program over, over 10 to 25 and even a hundred thousand dollars if you want to. But that, that range of between three and 10 is a great, great starting point for people who maybe have never done high ticket sales before, because there's a skill set that needs to be learned around that as well. Excellent, excellent. And when we're when we're talking about that now, so that, that was very helpful. There's a lot of aspects there that, as you said, people are, are you know, getting stuck in the sh bright shiny objects and trying to do too many things and overwhelming themselves rather than, as you say, creating the value and creating through simplicity before you make it complex. So it makes an awful lot of sense. So what might be one f valuable free action that? Uh, someone in this position could take. So this mightn't solve the problem, but it'll put them down the right path. It's funny that I just recently did a workshop. I had, I had over 60 people from all over the world, all, all parts of the world who joined me for a workshop. And the subject of that workshop is my answer to your question, okay. <laughs> which is speaking. I think that the most valuable free action that you can take is to find yourself a speaking engagement and ideally more than one speaking engagement. So this interview that you're conducting with me is a really good example of that. I am doing a speaking engagement, right? Why would, Why am I doing this? Because we're connecting and I'm able to share the value that I have inside of me and share my expertise. It helps you with content creation as well. Like it's a win-win on all levels. So speaking is something that a lot of people are not doing consistently. And more importantly, they might 
maybe for those who are doing it, but not getting the results they want, they don't have the right strategy underlining their speaking. So that could be that they're finding the wrong opportunities or they don't have uh, things dialed into the level that they need to before they jump into those speaking uh, uh, engagements. But I think speaking is a valuable free action that you can do and you can connect with your existing network or ask people like, what speaking opportunities do you think I should be you know, looking for? Or do you have a platform I can speak on? Uh, I think that's one of the best things that people can do. Excellent. Excellent. That's a, that's excellent advice. And it's something that just gets people out there. Yes, it gets the, it gets other people knowing about them. But as you said, it also gets them practice and how they talk about what they do and the value that they yes. bring. So really, really good, really good advice there. Excellent stuff. So I know part of your system is it involves create, connect and convert. So can you tell us a bit more about that and how it helps, how it helps you help your clients to uh, scale into those six figures? Well, first of all, I love methodologies. I love the idea of formulating a, a method or a framework or a blueprint that people can follow. And I think that's something that every coach or consultant who has a program ought to think of. It is part of the process is to uh, systematize what it is that you're doing. So in my case, the 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 con the create, the connect and the convert is a great way to be able to share what the stages of the process of scaling your five high five figure six figure business ought to be and how you can do that without necessarily needing a large team at this point one of my philosophies is that you can do this without a, with just a va you know you don't have to if you have the right systems and you're focusing on create and and there are some sub pillars within the larger pillars here but create connect and convert and you have good systems in place you can execute this and go from six figures into multiple six figures so earning say you know, five to ten thousand dollars a month. You could go into the thirty to fifty, or maybe even sixty thousand dollars a month. I think fairly easily with right systems and a VA. That's not a big team. That's a small team. It's a lean team. Where I think that once you passed, say, the the seven hundred and fifty mark, and you have aspirations to go further than that, then I think it becomes a conversation around team. Then I think it becomes a, more about growth and then you bringing other people on. It's a different conversation because it's a different stage. And I think this is one of the things that I see with entrepreneurship, that people don't recognize what stage they're at and what are the appropriate actions to be taking for that stage. So I think that um, with regard to the, the create, the uh, connect and convert, it's a way to show the stages of what we need to do, you know, step by step. So, for example, Alistair, in the create phase, um, a, an offer is one of the steps of the create phase. And under so, what is your again three to the five, three to ten thousand dollar offer with a goal toward maybe even turning that into a true high ticket program thereafter? So, the creation of your leveraged offer is a key component of this. People who are in the early stages of their coaching might be doing a lot of one-to-one -one work, right? They're trading time for money hourly. And I talk to people all the time say, oh, my hourly rate is this. We want to get people away from hourly time for money and get them into a leveraged offer, which is about uh, value and being and charging of a value-based price based on transformation you provide. And that's not necessarily tied to time. Absolutely. And hopefully not. Yeah, it's tied to, as you said, getting the value, getting it as a value 
proposal because you know from a negotiation point of view that's often the tactics used most against uh, someone as a consultant as a coach is oh but for the same price i can get such and such down the road who'll do it for x amount less they're always trying to commoditize what you're trying to do and it's having that clarity of where you add the value where you bring the value and the transformation that you're adding to the to the mix that they're potentially missing out yes. on so clarity, I, I, clarity and confidence clarity and confidence in what it is that you're doing and the transformation you provide is really key and the differentiation why you're why you're different why you're special absolutely so tell me a little bit more if you don't mind about some of these systems that you put in place because this is very interesting because i know a lot of people that I've certainly spoke to, I'd imagine, are very interested at this point. But I can also imagine that they're thinking, what does she mean by systems and how complex a thing and how long are these things to to set up? So can you just maybe uh, clarify and give us an idea of what, what you do with some of your clients in that regard? Sure. I mean, using the example of the offer, since that's what mm-hmm. we've dialed in on so far, in the case of wanting to scale from and move away from the one-to-one, it's not to say that you can't still have a one-to-one offer. You can, but the advantage of having a leveraged offer as well is that you can now charge an actual premium for the one-to-one that you were previously selling maybe for the same amount or less. So you can increase your prices and charge a more premium price for your one-to-one. So I'm not saying you shouldn't have or would not want to have one-to-one, but you get to charge more for it. The leveraged offer is um is a system in the sense that it allows you to serve more people you still can do one-to-one coaching but in a group format um the system is also in that particular case with an offer there is going to be some level of technology that has to come into play as well so recommending you know the right technology for the portions of your offer that will be delivered in a certain way Right. So in a little more, in a more leveraged way. So technology often comes into play, especially with the offer. I think also the other part of the create phase is around tools. So that is the tech stack. If you're going to have an online business, you will need to invest in some technology to make it happen. You know, you're going to need uh, a CRM. You're going to need an email service provider. Like you will need some foundational uh, technology, i.e. part of systems to make things work. I think there's also a piece here around tracking, Mm. you know, so if you think about tracking leads, tracking joint venture uh, relationships or collaborations, tracking follow-ups, being able to do that, there are a lot of really great AI tools now that allow you to do the tracking uh, in addition to, you know, spreadsheet-based tracking. So there's lots of things like that. Those are some examples of systems. Even speaking is a system unto itself how the strategy of how you're going to go out there, what is the pitch? Is it a template? Each of these buckets really is a system unto itself. It's the it's the totality of all these systems together that comprise the scaling of the business. And it, it can be tailored to whatever the goal of that particular entrepreneur is. So you might, you know, you might really drill in on one of these systems versus the other because it's your goal and that will be the thing that gets you there faster. But that's how I view systems. Each of these things is independent um, of each other, but they work in tandem with each other. Excellent. Excellent stuff. And I, and I like the way you're thinking, as you said, about all these different little systems building on top of each other or being somewhat interchangeable. So because some people, as I would imagine, 
enjoy some systems and others uh, less so. Uh, so it allows certain flexibility and in individualizing there. So what is one valuable free resource that you could direct people to that will help them? A free resource mm-hmm. is ChatGPT. Ah, okay. Interesting. I, I think it's one of the most valuable free tools that an entrepreneur, an authority entrepreneur can have at their disposal today. When I did my recent workshop, I introduced a lot of people to ChatGPT for the first time. I was surprised because it's really taken the world by storm. And so I was surprised that there were quite a few people who'd never experimented with it. And in the follow-up to that, when I've discussed with with people who've been at the workshop about their thoughts about ChatGPT, people's minds were blown because they're like, it's like I have an assistant now. And I, and I was quick to remind them it's a tool. Mm-hmm. Don't let this be the replay. This is not going to be the replacement of you, but it will be a tool that you can utilize in your arsenal that can help you get out of those places where you feel stuck. Because when you are an entrepreneur, especially in the early stages, a startup and a growth phase, you are likely doing all the things. You're, you're doing operations, you're doing sales, you're doing marketing, you're, do, you're, you're having to come up with the concepts and you're the thought leader, you're doing all the things. So having a tool like this that is um, free and or affordable because there are some, you know, there, there's certainly, it's free, but a lot of people have been running up against server issues because it's been so popular. Uh, but nonetheless, it is just a really powerful tool that allows people to have a, an assistant in their pocket, so to speak. Absolutely. And uh, I've been talking about AI quite a lot recently, but yes, the, the other advice is always check what it produces. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Check. It's not a perfect tool, but it can be a tool, especially when you are, again, in a creative space where you're doing a lot of things and maybe doing a lot of the operations. You might get to a point where let's say you have to execute a task. But it's the end of the day. You've just, you know, you've been, you've had a long day, you've been working at, and you're you're just sort of spent, you know, all of your energy has been expended. It can be a great tool to go into and just have it prompt you or help you along. And it gives you a little idea or a spark where you go, oh, okay. So now it, it just can prevent you from sitting at your blank computer screen for three hours without a thought in your mind because you're kind of creatively tapped out. I think those are great use cases of it. You do have to be careful. The quality of the output is only as good as the input, but I think it's still a valuable tool to have. Absolutely. And the other thing is it's, it is as dumb now as it's ever going to be again. So it's only going to get better. Uh, Excellent. Excellent. So what's the one question I should have asked you that would be of great value to our audience? (laughs) <laughs> I think that, uh, Alistair, you should have asked me about YouTube. Ooh. And does this play into anything with YouTube? Tell me more. Shall, shall I answer? Please, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have had a significant amount of success with YouTube, especially in uh, 2020, when I dedicated myself to doing a video every week for the entire year. And in the process of doing that, and I did it all myself because I wanted to put myself through the ringer, so to speak, and be able to understand the challenges that people were faced around YouTube. And I did that for an entire year. By the end of the year, because I used a reverse um, a reverse engineering 
strategy on what videos to make and how to make them, et cetera, and what the titles were. And there's a whole piece around optimization and there's a strategy there. I was able to generate 1.5 million video views and 15,000 new subscribers in one calendar year. Um, and again, many of my videos have gone, you know, some of them gone viral. Some of them have hundreds of thousands of views. I mean, it was really phenomenal. Now, after that, I did go down a little bit of a, a different path, but YouTube has always been a part of my DNA, so to speak, because that's really where I started as a video strategist. Come full circle to this moment in time that we're in now, and YouTube is embarking to help people with podcasts, right? Podcasting is a, one of the systems that I teach and, and recommend. So YouTube and podcasting, they're going toe-to-toe with TikTok on the shorts. They're going toe-to-toe with Spotify on the, on the podcasts. It's really interesting to see the developments that are happening with YouTube and how that parlays into the scaling of a six-figure coaching business. So I think there is definitely an opportunity there for those who want to understand YouTube better as it pertains to podcasts, etc. Excellent. And it's such an interesting point. I mean, I'm a fan of YouTube uh, as well. But as I said, I'm not, I'm not quite as into it to the level that you were. But, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that YouTube is the second most popular search engine. Yeah, sorry, Alistair. <laughs> My camera just went right? Your camera just went You're back, you're back. <laughs> I'm back. But it is the second most popular search engine after Google. So people, if they have, a lot of people, if they have a question, they go straight to YouTube to find the answer. They don't necessarily, a lot of people don't necessarily do, even go to Google. And of course, your Google, your YouTube videos will show up in Google search quite regularly exactly, as well. Exactly. So it's, it's a very good point. It's a very good point. And I think uh, it's coming, coming full circle to mm -hmm. the challenge people are facing with generating consistent, high quality leads. If you can utilize, to your point, the searchability, um, the suggestibility of, of and discoverability of your presence on YouTube, you can generate an endless list of, of qualified clients for what you do. So I think that the question really becomes, how does that play in? And that's certainly something that that I talk about in, in what I do as well. Outstanding. And that's very interesting that you, you mentioned, as you said, that you're a former TV broadcaster and, and you're very much into the video side, the video podcasting. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that and so, some of the principles that you take through that you regularly give to your clients? Well, I spent 25 years on television. I actually started hosting a show when I was 18 years old, didn't know wow. what I was doing. And then I climbed up the ladder to national TV broadcasting before the age of 30 and then spent many, many years uh, doing that on the national level and managed a news department while I was there as well. So it was in leadership and management and had a team of cross Canada bureaus and reporters and uh, you know a freelance network, et cetera. So lots of great experiences in media. What's interesting about media and broadcasting as it pertains to entrepreneurship is that there's actually a more of a parallel than you might expect. When I was a TV broadcaster, I was helping them build their brand. I was the front facing, well, while I was on TV, I was the front facing person. When I was in management, I was the force behind the editorial decisions, but nonetheless, driving people to viewership, driving mm -hmm. people to come back and length of viewing. And these were some of the most important metrics that we looked at was actually length of viewing was the most important. So, and the monetization model there is, is advertising, but we need an audience in order to, to do that. 
Um, I think that when we look at the parallels to entrepreneurship, we still need people to see us, know us, recognize us, and come back to our content over and over and think of us when it comes to insert your topic or subject matter expertise. And so the monetization might be slightly different in that you're selling your own products and services, but you still need to be known. You still need to be visible. You still need to be out there and have a strategy for doing that. So I think a lot of the best practices that I've learned from broadcasting do parlay into what I do today and and permeate my teaching and my philosophy. So it's been interesting to see how that all plays out for people who, uh, you know, are very interested in, in, and have a lot of questions about broadcasting. And I say, you know what, there are a lot more parallels than you might expect. Absolutely. And I love that, that you're essentially an expert in grabbing people's attention and teaching them how to hold that attention over time. Yes. You know, because I, and I love that, that, of course, that's what TV is all about. To keep exactly. you viewing. Yes, absolutely. So I can see exactly how it would work for entrepreneurs. Excellent. But, and, but not only that, Alistair, I think it's it's not just the attention for the sake of attention. And that's of what course. we see a lot yeah. on TikTok. And, you know, when my husband always asked me, he's like, why does this video have 5 million views? Right. And it'll be a it's a teenage girl with a crop top and she's doing a dance and I, for four seconds. And I go, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't, that's not leading to anything really. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yes, she can brag and she can, she has bragging rights. I have 5 million views on this video. So what? So what? it doesn't. Exactly. So I think that um, it's not just attention for the sake of attention. When you're in business, it's attention so that you can build connection, right? So that you can convert some of the, the pillars I was talking about here, right? It's this idea of like creating something so that you can connect with people and then convert uh, for the betterment of who it is that you serve. Because most coaches and consultants are trying to do good in the world. They're doing it through their work. They're trying to make the world a better place through their work. So it's a, it's a valiant cause to be putting that work out into the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that note, uh, how can people learn more about you? Uh, is it through LinkedIn or do you recommend YouTube or both? Or where you should know, people uh, go? YouTube is great. Yeah, YouTube, uh, but certainly LinkedIn. There's obviously more of the messaging capability through LinkedIn. So any of the socials, my signature card is linked there. So I update my signature card with all of the latest things that I'm doing. So if I'm speaking at an event or I'm doing this or I'm doing that, I'll put it on my signature card. And that's linked up on all the socials at Cheryl Plouffe. And so certainly you can always send me a message. You can send me uh, an email and connect with me and find out what I'm up to. But uh, social media is always a great place to do it. And then find out what some of the uh, the free tools that we have are there as well. Outstanding. Thank you. And as I said, I'll link to all those uh, below this video and uh, in the information below the podcast. So thank you so much, Cheryl. It's been great to have you on. Thank you, Alistair. I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.